0: what if I just hit leave meeting? I would be really mad and I would call you and I would make you join the meeting again. (laughs) All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cinderella podcast, a place where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing a completely unique story over and over. We've gone insane. Hello, I'm Liv.
1: Hi, I'm
0: Tallinn,
2: And today we watched The Glass Slipper made in 1955, which we're calling the completely unique Cinderella. This will be explained. A bit of warning. This is one of the films that we've gotten requests for. It is beloved by many. We did not like it. If you think that it would be unpleasant for you to listen to somebody just be real mean about a movie that means a lot to you, this is the time to turn off the episode because we will be very mean.
0: We did not like it. We are sorry that our opinion differs from yours. As Talon said, this would be a good time to check out a different episode. Find us on Patreon. We have whole other episodes of different Cinderella's that you probably haven't heard, which are really fun and you cannot possibly have opinions about already because one of them is an adult video. So they're phenomenal. Go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash cinderpod. It'll be great. If you love this movie, you should skip this episode. Because we really didn't like it. Like, like we
1: really didn't like
2: it to the point where... Like, we couldn't record after we watched it. We just
0: gave up and went to sleep. Well, not only did we just give up and go to sleep, we were talking in a previous record about how many times we had to pause the movie Tamcam and go back and say, oh my god, what just happened? That happened in this movie at least as many times, but we didn't say, go back, I missed it. We just stopped the movie and then proceeded to have a 15 or 20 minute conversation about the state of medical care in the United States or literally anything else
2: we just did literally anything we could think of
0: other than watch this movie we tried so hard anyways so let's let's begin you've been warned so you've been warned do you guys want like
2: a different episode can i tell you about a different movie that i watched that was really good it's called the hangover i had never seen it before It ended up being genuinely good. I actually haven't seen that. Is it good? It's a lot more about friendship than I thought it would be, which is very wholesome. And also, I thought it was going to be like a bunch of bros having a wild time in Vegas, and we would just watch them party. No. The premise is they wake up the next day after a bachelor party, and they can't find the groom, and they don't remember a single thing that happened last night, Mm -hmm. and they have to piece it back together and get him to his own wedding. And also not let anyone know in the wedding party that they've dropped the ball in the most massive way. All right. So tell me about that. Yeah. How
0: does that story begin? Okay,
2: so here's how it starts. Uh, <laughs> no, <you're not.
0: laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I thought you were going to...
2: Oh, you thought I was bluffing. No. So it starts with the groom. He's a very nice boy <laughs> getting fitted for a suit and his soon-to-be so... brother-in-law so we open
1: <laughs> we open okay okay
2: so for real for real the glass slipper 1955 Liv, can you tell us why we've called it the completely unique cinderella where where did that come from
0: absolutely so i did some research on this and i found this wonderful quote from helen Deitch, the script writer claims that her script was basically an original work this is a literal quote from her mgm gave me one word cinderella that's how it started I read practically everything written about this famous waif, rejected most conceptions of the character. Actually, my Cinderella of the 18th century is not based on anyone's ideas, but my own. And I'll tell you something, I was real salty about that for all of the day up until we actually watched the movie, because Cinderella is one of the five universal fairy tales that has spontaneously generated in almost every culture going back literally thousands of years. So if you respond to the word Cinderella at all, you're familiar with the story. It cannot be only your own ideas. If someone says Cinderella and you respond Gesundheit, then sure, maybe that is in fact your first foray into this story. But I was just super annoyed that she was like, this is a unique Cinderella. This is my own Cinderella. This is nobody's ideas but mine. And then we watched it. And I'm happy to let her have this. Like, she can have this. I don't want this sullying the name of Cinderella.
2: Somebody has come forward and been like, I am responsible for all of this nonsense. I made it all up. This is all on me. And I say that we just take that at face value.
0: I agree. This is Helen's fault. Helen, we blame you.
2: So we start with a painted background title card and some very jaunty music. And there's a palace painted on it. And it looks very fairy tale like, very Disney like. Mm-hmm. It mentions that it features an entire ballet company. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be like very twinkly, very cutesy, I guess, and also dancey. And it's a musical. Fine. Whatever. Oh, did we say this was live action? This is a live action film.
0: We didn't, but it doesn't really matter.
2: I mean, nothing matters. So we get a narrator who I believe is just the narrator Mm -hmm. and not a featured character in any other way. Mm -hmm. The narrator has a much bigger role than you would expect and does a lot more talking than a narrator needs to do.
0: Yeah, he does a lot of the comedy shtick that Drunk History does where he will say the lines that the characters are moving their mouths to.
2: Even though the character is on the screen, like it's the 50s, They could record you
0: talking in a movie. They did, unfortunately. He's also medium unreliable. Not the most unreliable narrator, because we did have that Zoomy Cinderella, but Mm. he was pretty unreliable.
2: There is a lot of editorializing Mm -hmm. that I usually appreciate when a narrator has more personality, but I felt like it was intrusive to the story Mm -hmm. and didn't match it tonally.
0: Yes, that is correct. The narrator, by the way, it sounds like he's doing a documentary. And what we're getting is picture postcards of Sweden, just kind of grainy. So
2: I didn't know what would be important or not. So I started writing down everything. So here's the narration for
1: you. Oh, boy.
2: A Long time ago, in a small principality, somewhere in the middle of a happy Europe, there was a rich old duke who lived happily in a fine palace, and a number of ladies and gentlemen who lived happily on the fashionable hill. And everybody else who lived happily
0: in the village. And it, it went downhill from there.
2: Eh, downhill. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we don't feel like any of this. We don't interact with villagers or anything. But we don't have a king. We have a duke. But his son is the prince. Liv and I have not been able to figure out what would have to have come to pass. In order for that to be a thing
0: but we did stop and talk about it for about 20 minutes oh of course we did of course we did because we didn't want to watch the movie
2: so the prince's name is charles Mm -hmm. and he's coming back from many years away pursuing his education and there's going to be a three-day festival followed by a ball in order to celebrate the return of prince charles Prince Charles' actor is in his early 40s, and it is my belief that the prince is also meant to be the same age.
0: Yeah, the age of the prince is real troubling, and I'll be honest, at this point, I was kind of rooting for this movie to turn into Hamlet. (laughs) I would have much preferred to
2: watch Hamlet.
0: I think this would have been a better Hamlet than it was a Cinderella. Listen, you can pick
2: like any story and be like, this was a better Little Red Riding Hood that it was a Cinderella and I would be like yes probably
0: probably yeah sure so we now actually get to see this village it's like 1860s-esque the girls are wearing very large skirts and things but people are also wearing like Oktoberfest gear
2: yeah it's very like Germanic yeah and very cutesy and folksy
0: yeah it just looks like an Oktoberfest we see some people getting ready for this festival so they're putting up decorations and my notes go into all caps immediately There's a poodle jumping rope with a clown. There's three poodles. And then there's two other poodles (laughs) that are just sitting, being judged for being poodle, or possibly judging the third poodle. I don't know. But there's a poodle and it is actively jumping rope with a clown. So that happened just right away. It's not important. It never comes back. But I couldn't stop thinking about it.
2: I think it's the last time I experienced
0: the positive emotion in this film. No, there's a ballet sequence later on that I... I experienced relief. Oh, okay. There were moments of... Surcease of sorrow. Yes. We have to keep going.
2: (laughs) So Cinderella's there. She's very smudgy. She's one of the smudgiest Cinderella's we've ever had. She has a very jagged pixie cut, which she later tells us she did herself. So that kind of checks out. Mm-hmm. And she's in her very early 20s. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about the way that this actress played her.
0: By the way, this is played by Leslie Caron, who is very famous and is very French and is actually a ballet dancer.
2: Yes. So the ballet dancing was beautiful. She speaks with a French accent. She's the only French person in this film, as far as we can tell. But we have had a Cinderella that was a French orphan. Yeah, so that's fine. That checks. You know, I can live with that. I don't know what their intent was when making this film. But the way that Cinderella is played is that she is meant to be either much younger than the actress playing her, because she has a lot of mannerisms that we perceive as very childish. The other possibility is that she might be meant to be like neurodivergent in some way. And she's coded as being potentially autistic. But also, that wasn't really a thing they knew about in the 50s very much. So I don't know what they were going for, but there is that element to her performance.
0: Yeah. What the synopsis and all the articles say is that Cinderella is rebellious and feisty and that the people are mean to her. What we see is somebody who is very much presenting as on the spectrum somewhere, interacting poorly with a social situation, failing to read social cues, and responding in a non-neurotypical way. And the villagers responding poorly to that. So in basically every situation, that is the dynamic that happens. And by basically every, I mean literally every, and I hated it, I hated every second of it, it was horrific.
2: Okay, have you heard of that trope Born Sexy Yesterday?
0: Yes. Oh. Like
2: Lilu from Fifth Element, where she isn't speaking in full sentences and is kind of doing like a cute baby voice, but she's also sexy. That is yes. very much the vibe. Yes. And combined with the fact that the prince is much older than her and a position of power in the kingdom,
0: it's just very uncomfortable.
2: And it becomes even more uncomfortable later on, but we'll get there.
1: We'll get there.
0: I do want to describe how she looks. So Talon said that she was smudgy. She is super smudgy. She is covered in soot. Only this most recent Ashenputul is dirtier than she is. Mm -hmm. She's wearing a white... She's wearing a white underdress thing.
2: Well, it used to be white.
0: It used to be white. It is also now extremely smudgy. And she has a corset skirt that is an underbust corset and it's blue and it's sort of tucked up and she's barefoot all the time but it's the 1950s y'all so she's wearing a 1950s bra under it so she's just got cone boobs i mean they
2: call her a wave but she's very much styled like a pinup. yeah it's
0: real uncomfortable and i hated it so what happens is cinderella is watching her name is ella by the way
2: Oh, no one calls her that, though. Even though she specifically says her name is Ella and she doesn't like it when people call her Cinderella, everyone will continue to call her Cinderella.
0: Yeah, because this movie hates you and wants you to suffer. So she's sort of hiding behind the fountain in the village square watching people put up decorations. And she's very shy about it. You can tell she sort of wants to join in, but she feels shy. And then she just sort of runs over and is like, I help too! Mm -hmm. And starts aggressively cleaning up flowers that have been discarded. The villagers respond to her with some side eye, like, um, what? And then she, they don't actually do anything until she goes to touch one of them. She's covered in soot, and they're like, please go away, you are... They don't go, please go
2: away, you're really dirty. They say, get away, you dirty thing!
0: Yeah. And she responds by just instant fury, just immediately furious, and starts yelling i'm not dirty i'm not it's just soot she's filthy you guys she's she's so dirty
2: she looks like a chimney sweep
0: yeah she could have just come out with bert from mary poppins from (laughs) doing a a musical number she's a chimney sweep she's chimney sweep levels of smudge
2: there's a whole exchange where they're trying to get the guy hanging up the flower garland willie to make her go away because some of the people helping her kids i guess played by adults mostly. And they're saying things like, Mother
0: said I mustn't speak to her. Go away, cinders. And then this one horrible boy child is like, Cinders Ella, dirty cinders, dirty Ella, cinders Ella. And they all start calling her Cinderella. At which point she takes this small child by the shoulders and just shoves him back really hard. And then shrieks and runs away. And the narrator tells us, well, you can't blame them. She's not an amiable child. Which was the first time we stopped the movie Sorry, that was the second time we stopped the movie and just talked about something else.
2: Yeah, it was incredibly unpleasant. Also, one of the things that's really confusing about this film is that there's definitely a very negative dynamic going on between the villagers and Cinderella. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to tell how much of that is her responding to them maltreating her. And how much of that is them responding to her being upset.
0: Yeah. The narrator even addresses that later at one point. They say, you know, she is rejected and so she responds by being mean, which causes them to reject her more. It's like, it's a it's a cycle, he says.
2: No, he says, it's like, a you know, a circle.
0: <laughs> guys this is terrible and anyways yeah. so yeah they do sort of address that that is a thing but they completely fail to address the underlying reason like yeah you're walking in a circle because you're on a treadmill turn the treadmill off
2: i don't like it when the villagers are mean to cinderella no. I like it when the villagers all like Cinderella and everyone's scared of the stepmother and is just doing their best to get by and helping each other out. Yeah. And like, she doesn't get that here. And that's so sad. And because of the way it's presented, we're supposed to be like, oh, well, you know, who can blame them? Who can blame those villagers? Like it's presented as if there's context or something there to both sides. No, they're just very mean to her.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was really painful to watch. So, a peach rolls in front of her and she stops and sort of smiles real awkwardly and throws it to this little mandarin monkey who's just there for the festival, I guess. And so then she plays catch with the monkey for a while and then she smells some cookies in a stall. She's just sort of wandering around the festival. And the narrator tells us the grown ups agree with their sons and daughters. They say, Tisk, tisk.
2: What a disgrace. Look at her hair.
0: She grows worse every day.
2: And then Cinderella sticks out her tongue at them.
0: The narrator then says the thing about like, oh, is she rejected because she was bad? Or is she bad because she was rejected? It's like a circle. I have something to tell you about the narrator in the Ever After Party. Listeners, you're going to want to come to this one if at all possible. Because oh god, I'm going to destroy Talon's reality. Okay. I'm so excited about this.
2: I just remembered I have to do anything else.
0: No, you don't. No, you don't. You have to stay here with me.
2: Okay, so the narrator tells us that Cinderella feels the heat of tears burning behind her eyes, and so she comes home. If you're Cinderella and you're already sad, why in the world would you go
0: home? Who knows? But we meet the family now. We meet the stepsisters, whose names are Berdina and Serafina.
2: Berdina is described by the narrator as vivacious dazzling, beautiful as
0: a rose, and poisonous as a toadstool. She has red hair. I'll be
2: calling her red hair. She's great. And then Serafina is languid, seductive,
0: effortlessly alluring, and cold as a cobra. Serafina's blonde. I'll be calling her blonde. <laughs> At this point, we stopped the movie again to just talk about how not being interested in men does not make you a cold person, <laughs> and that we hated the 50s. So we stopped the movie again to talk about the myths around sirens.
2: Yes. Had a good time. Also, the narrator should have kept going with this very noir style description of everything. That would have improved this greatly.
0: So either more narrator or less narrator is what you're saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. The narrator should have been the prince. If the narrator had done a genuine like film noir, it was a dark and rainy night. That would have been funny.
2: I was returning home from travels abroad. And there came a knock at my door. But you can't get away from yourself anywhere because wherever you go. There you are. There you are. <laughs> and that's when she walked into my life. Yes. Legs all the way up to her butt.
0: <laughs> that would have been... Guys, could you tell that we really don't want to do this? Anyways, so the narrator introduces the stepmother, whose name is Widow Saunder, and then says her lines for her a la Drunk History. Do this, Ella. Do that, Ella. And they're going to go out and watch the prince arrive. And they say, don't stand near us. The prince may think we know you. The narrator says, they say. So now we're out in the streets. My note just says we get triumphant oompa oompa marching music. (laughs) And Ella's trying to see as well. But she's at the back of the crowd and she sort of gets jostled to the back of a crowd and then sort of down a staircase and she can't see anything. And she's jumping up and down.
2: She sees the prince's hand above the crowd waving his hat Mm -hmm. and he's wearing a glove.
0: Yeah. But the step family is all sort of right in the front row and he smiles at them.
2: In their general direction. And the stepsisters do like, did you see him look right this
0: way? Yes, he was looking at me. Hey, you, he was looking at me. One of those. Yeah. So saying, they return to the house where Ella insists that she saw the prince too. And the stepsisters, not terribly meanly, but sort of in the manner of siblings who have five or so years on a younger sibling, just say, no, you didn't. You couldn't possibly have seen him. You were at the back of the crowd. And Ella, again, goes from neutral to furious in the space of a second. And she goes, I did see him. I did see him. And they go, okay, yeah, sure. What what color was his horse? And she's like, his horse was white, and they're like, "No, his horse was black, black as night." And they're like, oh, "Okay, well, what color was his hair then?" And she's like, "It was black as night." And they're like, "No, it wasn't. You didn't see him." At which point Ella goes, "Who cares about the prince? I hate him,"
2: and runs out of the house, yelling, "I don't care!" and like stopping and just having a
0: tantrum. Yeah, and the stepsisters go, "What a horrible child!" And then the narrator tells us, "Oh God." Oh, little
2: spirit, defiant, defensive, unbroken, but a few more years, she'll break and will no longer feel pain, and they'll have a spinster slavey, willing, docile, grateful for crumbs. A few more years, and all will be peaceful. Yeah. It was really unpleasant to hear that, and also... I don't know what the intent of the narrator was. Like, was he being harsh so that we would be horrified? Or is he resigned to this? Like, I couldn't tell what his angle was. I think... He was just
0: being, like, shocking and mean. I think his angle is to highlight that even high-spirited, rebellious people can be worn down. And that that is a bad thing, I think.
1: He didn't
2: sound like that poor thing. If this continues, he was like, oh, yeah,
0: just just you wait. Just you wait. Yeah. It was the 50s, man, so I don't know. Anyways, so she runs to her favorite place, which is the Dell, which has this beautiful little pond with a little creek that flows into it and rocks around it. The pond, by the way, the creek is very pretty. The pond is bright teal Uh and has very obviously sculpted rocks nearby in the shape of chairs. The narrator tells us that she hears... The meadowlark, confiding its heartbreak to the quiet air. And at that point, I was like, buddy, what's happening? What's happening? Someone didn't get
2: into the the MFA program they wanted to get into. And now they have to narrate fairy tales.
0: Cinderella kicks off her shoes and sits at the edge of this pool with her feet in the water. Just angry crying and flinging rocks into it aggressively. Mm -hmm. And then we get a weird music shift. Mm -hmm. My note is... Oompa, Mister Collins is coming. Music. I've got whimsical music. Okay, it was very like, Wom, vom, 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 vom. like it was weird.
2: Yeah, it was like perky and like silly, but faintly ominous. But like something's coming, something's happening. <laughs>
0: yeah, isn't she quirky? And a weird old lady shows up. She's got bonkers hair. Everybody else has normal hair that's just sort of styled up and or down in ringlets. It's faintly ye oldie times. This lady's just got like a nest of hair. She's also not dressed like anybody else. She's dressed like she's from the 1940s, but poor. So like a sack, vest, and long sleeves that are just weird. Just weird. She's dressed weird. And she's just wandering around with this big brown bag. And picks up a stick and puts it in her hair.
2: Not like in any kind of way that makes sense. She just has a lot of hair and she takes the stick and kind of shoves it in the hair until the stick stands straight up. And then she continues walking around like that. So she sees Cinderella and approaches her and kind of crouches next to her like you would with a small child (laughs) so that you're at face level. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, why are you crying? What's the matter, you sweet, pretty creature? And Cinderella goes in a French accent, you're making fun of me not sweet and i'm not pretty
0: but it's only ashes but like yelling like she's yelling that line she's not petulantly saying that line she's not snapping that line she's not whimpering that line she's genuinely yelling it Mm -hmm. and weird stick lady responds with what's wrong with ashes they're very good for the chickens
2: yeah and i was hoping that i would like her because i thought well she's being weird but she's being kind of nice and chickens are cute i guess sure so we get the whole thing where Ella introduces herself as Ella, but they won't even call me by my name. They call me Cinderella. And the lady like really likes how it sounds and kind of plays around with it and keeps repeating it and says, What a beautiful word. I like it very much. There are other words I like very much, like windowsill, an elbow. Elbow. And I like apple dumpling too. What a comical world. Pickle relish. Mmm. Nice snap. You know, like that goes on for a really long time, and that's a
0: repeated, quote, comedy beat. Yep, that is a running joke. That we continue to do. It is not the worst running joke that we've ever gotten. No, it's not.
2: They have this interaction in which Cinderella explains that the reason her hair looks the way it does is because she was angry at it, and so she cut it off because she wanted to be dead, but instead she cut her hair off, and then she felt much better.
0: We stop the movie again. We were like, no, nope, nope, I'm sorry. This is, this is a traumatized child with suicidal ideation
1: mm-hmm. being
0: abused by her family, and we are supposed to think that she is being rebellious and sassy. I hate it. I would like it to go away.
2: Oh, look how quirky this sweet girl is. No, she's, like,
1: in a lot of pain. Yeah. She's lashing out, man.
0: Oh, yeah. So we found out that this weird lady with the stick in her hair is named Mrs. 2K, and ella manages to just barely stop herself from saying oh the crazy lady she goes oh the the lady that lives at the end of the street and never comes into the village during the day only at night (laughs) at this point we got the only thing that made me laugh in the movie mrs tukey puts her feet in the water with her shoes still on just sitting next to ella and ella exclaims your shoes are getting wet and mrs tukey goes yes that's the water (laughs) that will be the high point of the movie by far.
2: So they talk a little bit about how the prince is coming into town and how the stepmother and stepsisters are very excited and are like dressing up and it's all very beautiful. And Ella says that she doesn't care what she looks like, but one day she's going to live in the palace. Mm -hmm. And she says this often. And apparently it's one of the first things that she leads with when she meets new people. And basically the entire village already knows about this, but the story is that When Ella's mother was pregnant, a fortune-telling woman came and said that her child would live in the palace and then she was born three hours later and she told Ella about it often until she died when
0: Ella was five years old. Mrs. Chouquet asks, what will you do in the palace? And Ella goes, I'll punish everyone I hate. And Mrs. Chouquet goes, no you won't. And Ella goes, yes I will. Mrs. Duque gives her this weird fancy lace handkerchief from her giant brown rucksack and Ella admits that she doesn't have any friends and sort of asks about the basic concept of what friendship even is. Like is it when you sit with people and you talk with them and you can tell them like your thoughts and feelings and they don't yell at you and beat you? Yep. And Mrs. Duque is like, yeah, it's like that. She's
2: like wow, I've
0: never had that before. Yeah, rebellious. It's fiery, guys. It's fiery. Oh. Uh- So Mr. Jouké goes, well, I like you and I'm on your side. Tell me what you feel and think. And Ella goes, I can't. It's all mixed up. It's like when it's beginning to get dark and everything breathes softly and the sky gets very, very blue and then very, very pink. It's hard to explain. Now, to be fair, I have a really difficult time identifying emotions with normal emotion words. So I will occasionally tell my husband things like, I have sad oatmeal brain or I feel like potatoes. And he'll go like good potatoes." and I'm like, "No, like purple potatoes, like slimy purple potatoes." And he'll go, "Okay, slimy purple t- potatoes is definitely in the bad spectrum of feelings, and we will work our way through words that don't make any sense whatsoever towards "You forgot to eat again, Olivia, you should eat something," which is what it is a hundred percent of the time.:
2: One of my therapists gave me a chart with feeling words on it. Oh God, because I was having a hard time articulating like what specifically I was feeling, and it would just be like, "Well, I feel." bad and he's like okay can you like tell me more about that and I was like always like no no so he was like okay well here's some types of bad feelings you could have you might be angry or you might be sad or you might be scared and all of those had their own feeling words associated with them so I didn't have to be like I'm sad I could be like I'm dejected I'm forlorn, I'm miserable, you know? And they had like all sorts of different connotations. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. a chart of feeling.
0: Very helpful.
2: So like, I didn't find this scene like egregious or anything. I think literally no one's asked Ella before how she feels
0: about anything. Yeah. And her feelings are very, very big and don't have simple labels. Yes. So I'm not upset with that part. My problem isn't with what she says. It's with Mrs. 2K's response, which is, That's very clear. I have some things to pick up and then just walks away. So this girl has just been asked to talk about her feelings for presumably the first time in her life. She is 100% definitely neurodivergent, traumatized, has suicidal ideation, apparently quite recently because her hair is still extremely short, Mm -hmm. has just been asked how she feels for the first time ever, comes up with the sky is blue and things are quiet sometimes. And then Mrs. K is like, "Okay, that's nice. Bye. Yep. And we don't revisit that that would have been an interesting thing to dive into like I don't even know what that feeling is is that a feeling of hope is that a feeling of when things get really quiet and you know that night is coming and like the pain is gonna stop like what is that a feeling what are we trying to describe there I would be interested to go into that but nope
2: no 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 the one thing That makes us feel like we can sort of see what they're going for with Cinderella's character.
0: Yeah, for this one line.
2: And makes us feel like we can relate to her and be Mm -hmm. interested in her interior life. They do not explore that whatsoever.
0: Nope. That will never come back. It will never matter. So they make a plan to meet again tomorrow at noon at the pond thing. And they'll be friends. Mrs. Duque sort of wanders away going, Okay, very practical. Goodbye. Wintersill. Pickle relish. Apple Dumpling, Cinderella, and Ella smiles and runs away home, carrying her shoes in her hands.
2: So now we're back at the house, and the stepsisters are trying on hoops for their dresses, mm-hmm. and they're talking about Cousin Lulu, who is the one that got them the invitations. There's a Cousin Lulu in this. She's just a fancy, rich relation that they don't seem to like. But are trying to be nice, too, because she lives on a fashionable hill and they do not.
0: Mm-hmm. So they ask about what Cousin Lulu's dress is like. And they say, oh, it's pink and white. It's covered in rosebuds and crystals and it's embroidered in satin thread or whatever. And They're like, oh, rosebuds at her age. Ha 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 ha. They yell at Ella for being dirty and in the same room as them because she's still guys covered in smudge, just completely chimney sweep face
2: yes and she kind of inches into the room as this is happening and kind of circles around and is kind of lingering in the background but hasn't interacted with them yet and then she asks them oh who's mrs 2k and they tell her she's a crazy old woman that lives in the woods she's harmless but she does steal which kind of came up a little bit before where when she offered cinderella the handkerchief Ella was kind of like, I I think I better not take that. I've heard about you. Mm -hmm.
0: So the thing about her is that she steals, but she always gives stuff back. She'll take stuff and then just put it back the next night, which is why no one's ever bothered to, like, prosecute her or do anything about this. Yeah. Um,
2: They say that she's mad and she should be put away.
0: But, Ella asks, has she always been like that? And then we get this line. No, she used to be a grand lady on a hill, but she started reading books and went from bad to worse, stuffed her head full of ideas, and now she's a bit addled. Oh, mother, she's as crazy as a cockroach. Yeah, and Ella's like, no, she seems sensible to me. And they're like, of course, you're two of a kind, two crazy cockroaches. And they laugh, and Ella stomps her ashy personage all over their dresses and gets thrown out to go clean potatoes. She also gets slapped for it. I did not write that down, because I wanted to forget that that happened. Yeah.
2: They also ask, oh, did you tell her that you'll live in the palace? And Ella's like, yeah. And they're like, yep.
0: Yep, that tracks. She stomps around and we then see her sitting on her knees in the dirt cleaning potatoes. We're getting a voiceover montage of what we literally just saw happen. Mm-hmm. And she's got the weirdest expression on her face. Like, this wasn't just me, right?
2: No, I have an all caps, giant grin, berry
0: dopey. I've got her dur in my notes.
2: Her eyes are like very
0: unfocused that she's smiling and it's a very big grin. It's not even just that it's a big grin, like she's pulled her lower jaw back. She's giving herself essentially a false overbite and just pulling her face back so that her chin is all like waddled into her neck. It was horrible. It
2: was a very silly face. And as this is happening, we keep hearing her say, I don't care. I don't care one bit because one day I'll live in the palace. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to live in the palace one day. In the palace! One day, I'm gonna live in the palace! Just over and over, like, word soup.
0: And then we get, we get a doodly-doo into her mind. It's not real full. Nope. She is sitting on a massively oversized throne, and she's sitting very splay-legged, the way that small children do.
2: Okay, the throne isn't meant for a regular-sized person and is just, like, a very big, very ornate chair. It has literally, like, been stretched, like they just clicked and dragged the corner to make a very big chair. So her legs are very far off the ground, and it gives the overall effect of, like, either she's meant to be, like, a tiny person in a giant's home, or like they do on children's shows where they have an adult actor playing a child character, so they just make all the surroundings bigger. Mm-hmm. like the clown lady in the big comfy couch.
0: Yeah, I was getting very uh, Clara vibes from the Nutcracker when she gets shrunk down. and Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was getting. So we get this real triumphant music as she's sitting in her smudgy-faced self, smudgy dress, smudgy everything, stupid outfit on this throne. And the triumphant music sort of trails off and Daydream Ella gets sort of less confident. And then we're back to her pouting in the dirt And then she smiles again, this sort of terrifying, creepy smile. And we go back inside of her head. And this time she's got the same style of dress, the same poofy shirt and underbust corset that goes into a skirt. But this time it's this pale silky blue and she's all clean. And she's sitting with her ankles crossed, very ladylike on this huge, stupid chair. And her corset isn't even laced up properly. Like it's like, it's really tight at the bottom and super loose at the top, which you only do for pregnant people. So like, This is stupid. And then she sort of pulls her feet up, and she's just sort of scratching her feet and looking around at this throne room, which has this big, oversized canopy over it. And literally nothing else. It's just blank wall,
2: blank room, just the vast emptiness of her imagination. And
0: so she starts getting bored, and she sort of slumps into the throne and pouts. In her own fantasy. And she looks around, and then she stands on the arm of the chair, and leans over so she can bat at the tassels on the canopy like cat. She does that for multiple tassels. And finally, she grabs the highest tassel and pulls it. And the whole thing collapses on her.
2: And that's how the fantasy ends. And it zooms out onto her dirty face. And off screen, the stepmother yells, Ella, potatoes! And she goes back to picking them. End scene.
0: The reviews love that scene, by the way. The reviews think that that scene is so charming because she's able to change her fantasy in her head and that it symbolizes that she doesn't really know what she wants and that she's unsure and that... Yeah, but that's not, like, interesting to watch. No, not at all. Also, why does she bat at the tassels like a cat?
2: Okay, if you picture every single thing up until now happening with, like, a 10-year-old playing her... It's fine. It basically all checks out. You should stop doing that now, though, because we're about to meet the prince. And you don't want to be thinking of her as a 10-year-old. Nope. He's,
0: he's in his mid-40s, by the way. He's like 43 or 44. But he looks like it, guys. He's not a really young 44.
2: I mean, he's just like an adult man. He's just, he's a 40-year-old man. That's what he looks like. That's. Okay.
0: But, okay, everybody remembers what Johnny Depp looked like when he was 40? Not that. Like, Gary at the office. josh from accounting like
2: okay so we're in the palace yep and a fancy mustache man comes in asking for charles the sons of being the king the prince no not the king the duke because for whatever reason the prince's father is a duke that's fine do you think that they couldn't get the legal rights to the word king why 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 not just like the richest man in town why not the son of the duke who cares? Who cares if he's literally a prince? If it's a completely unique Cinderella, who cares? Alright. So this is our king. He's just he's a little old man and he's got a mustache. It's a very big mustache. Mm-hmm. He looks the right age to have a 40-year-old son. Yep. And he's speaking to Coven. Spelled like
0: Kevin, but with a no, I guess. Coven is the prince's friend, who is roughly the same age. He looks sort of like Richelieu. He's wearing a giant bathrobe. It's all red and brocaded.
2: So Coven's just there so that the prince can like narrate at him. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't so much do anything in the story, but he's on the screen a lot. So just get used to Coven.
0: Yeah. We got this weird line where the Duke is talking to him and the Duke goes, do you hunt? And Coven goes, some things. And the Duke goes, me too. What? Oh, God. I just got that line.
2: Yeah, it's like a sexual thing. That's a sex thing. Okay. Okay, so the king is like, oh, where's the prince? And Coven's like, oh, he's still dressing your highness. How does he know that? Because he's still in his robes? so how does he know that the prince is specifically dressing and not still sleeping or just out and about? Yeah. I think that the prince has brought home his lover from school and is just like showing him around and is like having a party and listen. Here's what I wanted from this movie. I wanted the prince and Coven to be a couple and I wanted them to adopt Cinderella and just take her to live in the palace where she can be happy and like not abused all the time and no one will be mean to her and she can just enjoy her life. And also in this version, Cinderella is 10.
0: I agreed with you. At this point in the movie, by the time the movie ends, I will want something very different.
2: I mean, by the time the movie ends, I don't want anything anymore.
0: Yeah. (sighs) Anyways, so the prince finally shows up into this room with Coven and the duke. And there's entertainment issues with the ball. And the prince is like, what ball? And the duke is like, seriously, man, come on. You need to take responsibility. Nobody here even knows you. We need to introduce you to the people because you've been gone for years and years and years. So I assume that the prince is actually in his 40s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the duke is kind of frantically saying, we depend on the people of the principality to maintain our royal status. You need to make friends. And then we're done with that scene.
2: And then the prince takes Covan walking in the woods and starts telling him about the time that he ran away from the palace when he was eight. And it was the best mm-hmm. seven hours he ever had. And this is like a very, I would say, a very romantic, intimate kind of thing where you take your partner around to the places that were significant to you as a child. Yes. And they care about it because they like, love you and they want to like, know the things that shape you. Absolutely. And then <sighs> the worst thing in the entire world happens. The prince decides to tell Coven about a pivotal experience That had happened to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he sure does. Go on. So many years ago, he came to town on holiday. Presumably, he was anywhere from, like, a teen to, like, the age he is now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, best case scenario, he was 14, 15.
2: Yeah, he was in the middle of town, and there was some sort of holdup on the road, and he looked out of the carriage, and there was a little child, a little girl of about five, and she was crying in a sort of tragic frenzy. And she ran into the path of the carriage, and I don't know what it was all about, but she had these great, agonized, rebellious eyes, fringed with dark lashes, what a tragic face. Not just sad, Coven, the agony of a great tragedy beyond comfort. I've never known Sorrow, not really, but when I looked at her, felt like I understood. And ever since then, I find it almost impossible to resist a weeping woman. And if she has eyes like that, I'm lost.
0: Do you want to know what my note says, literally after that quote? Hmm. Please turn into a scorpion, I hate you.
2: M- mine goes into all caps and uses language we reserve for the after party. Mm-hmm.
0: This is the point where I started to be like, no, if somebody turns into a scorpion or a werewolf and they have a scorpion-werewolf monster battle, I'm back on board.
1: Like
2: they did in tam in case you're confused about this, Go back! several episodes and just delete this one from your queue. Honestly, like, Ugh.
0: I mean, if you really like listening to us suffer, you're definitely getting your money's worth on this one. This was the point at which I really started wanting this to be Hamlet. Cause we have a Prince who I don't like, who's just mopey and weird coming back from school with his friend who is also sort of meh. We have one living parent and one dead parent of the Prince. And I was just like, you know, If he goes on a Hamlet arc and everybody winds up dying by the end, I'm okay with that.
2: That would be fine.
0: That's fine. Instead, the walk through the woods continues. (sighs) And the prince brings Coven to the place he
2: was telling him about where he ran away. It's the little brook. It's the little pond that Cinderella was at before. Yep. And he's like, ah, yes, I, I ran away from home and I found this place and I stripped to the buff and I swam. And Coven's like, oh, yeah, how cold was it? And the princess is like, oh, yeah, it was very cold. (laughs) And Coven's like, well, I'm no longer eight and you may swim alone. And I was like, are they about to get naked and jump into the pond? Are we having like a room with a view scene? Because
0: that would be fine. But no.
2: No, that's not what happens. No. Ella arrives and just kind of walks up to the pond, skipping and taking off her shoes. And then I guess either the prince or Coven make a noise because the subtitles say Relaxed Grunt.
0: Good, I'm glad you have that exactly in your notes, just the same way I do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So the prince and Coven are like kind of propped up sunbathing by the rocks, just kind of dozing. And Cinderella climbs up on a rock and kind of sees them. Her face is clean now. And she looks up at the prince and he opens his eyes and they make eye contact. And they are really into each other right away. He's like very intrigued. And he kind of sits up a little bit, like props himself back up on his elbows and smiles at her. And he goes, hello. And she kind of ducks back. And Coven's like, oh, what is it? And for some reason, the prince says, a nightmare. A nightmare. OK. Having seen in Anyway, mm-hmm. so she accuses them of being in her place. And they're like, well, this is part of the Duke's estate. And she's like, well, you don't belong here. Where do you live? And they both point in opposite directions accidentally, but then they get it together and point in the direction of the castle. And she's like, well, you don't live in the palace. There's only the palace there. The prince is like, "Ah, we work there. And Coven is like, yes, I am the writing master. And this is the son of the cook. And the prince goes, yes, I am the son of the cook at the palace of the duke. We're going to hear that line a lot.
0: He pronounces it duke. Duke. So that it will rhyme with cook. And that's how I knew that that was supposed to be funny. Ella asks if they've, you did the last one, I guess I have to do this one.
1: I can do this one. I've got the note.
0: Okay.
2: So then Cinderella very excitedly goes, oh, you must have seen the prince. And they're like, oh yeah, we've seen the prince. And she goes, what color is he?
0: What color is he?
2: Yeah. And they kind of go, uh, oh, I'd say uh, wh- white. And she's like, no, I mean his hair. And the prince kind of vaguely gestures at his own hair. And then puts this hand back down and goes, it's black. His hair, by the way, is very clearly not black. It's like kind of salt and pepper. It mostly just looks gray. It is not black hair.
0: This man is much older than her. If the gray was removed from his hair, it would be possibly a dark brown or even like a mid brown. It's 100% not black. I proceeded to hyper fixate on this for the rest of the movie. Every time he showed up with his real hair, I was like, look, it's not black. It's not black. And Talon was like, Liv, I need you to stop.
2: And she goes, Ah, yes, black as night, you see? And the prince is like, um, nope. no, I, I don't quite see. She said, I just knew it. And he's like, Oh, how did you know? Are you clairvoyant? And she thinks he's insulting her. So she goes, No, it's just ashes. And I don't care. You can call me Cinderella, and I don't care. The prince has been like getting closer and closer to her the whole time. And he turns away suddenly and he goes, "Coven, Coven, the eyes the side eyes
0: and she pushes
2: him into the pond mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she yells, stop making fun of me and pushes him backwards and he falls into the pond and she ducks behind the, the rocks she was next to and then looks up and then ducks behind it and then looks up and then ducks behind it but everything's fine because both the guys start laughing and then she runs away
0: my notes say at this point talon said I can't believe we don't get paid for this. To which I responded, <laughs> we do get paid for this. Twitch Talon responded, oh no. I just wanted to leave so badly. I we At this point, we did leave the movie. We stopped the movie at this point and we proceeded to talk about other films for uh, about 10, 15 minutes.
2: Because literally, if you guys have missed the significance of the scene, let me just like backtrack a second. This man has just spent some time telling his friend about the sad five-year-old he saw once and how he's been entranced by sad girls ever since. And then he sees what we are meant to understand is the, I guess, the adult version of that child and is immediately struck by her and looks into her eyes and just like, ah, yes, the eyes of a sad child. I'm into that, Coven. It's her.
0: That's my thing. That's what I'm into. By the way, the fact that she was five means that what happened is she was undoubtedly having a hysterical meltdown as a neurodivergent child because her mother had just died.
2: Yeah, that's the only other time they mentioned an event that happened when she was five. It's the death of her mother. So
0: yeah. So best case scenario, a 14-year-old fell in love with a on-the-spectrum five-year-old having a meltdown at the death of her mother. So that's the very best case thing that's happened right now to us. And now also to you.
2: Although if we look at their ages, it's much more likely that he was like 25 when this happened.
0: I need you to stop with the numbers. Numbers are my thing and I was going to leave those numbers out.
2: I just, listen, I just want you to know, no, forget it. This is so bafflingly bad. I just, listen. I just don't understand why any of the choices that were made were made. And everything that they've chosen to do just makes me intensely uncomfortable. Every character beat that they do, I'm like, oh man, I don't like the implications of that. And they just Mm -mm. keep
0: continuing to do that. Yep. Here's the thing. It's not, we're not knocking age differences. My husband is a full generation older than me. But here's the thing. He didn't fall in love with me when I was a child and he doesn't love me Because I'm miserable all the time. And like need him to rescue you. Yeah. So the fact that he fell in love with her as a child specifically because she was tragically, hopelessly, hysterically, frenzied, sad, is deeply disturbing. It would be deeply disturbing if she was an adult. If she had run into her as an adult the exact same age, having the same meltdown and been like, oh, wow, I'm so surprisingly attracted to the fact that you are in misery and suffering right now. I love that. That's that's also a really big red flag. I mean, he
2: specifically says he's the prince. He's never experienced sadness for a moment. So he's like, "Wow, this is so interesting. I would love to watch this child cry. That's so
0: messed up. It's it's it's, it's psychotic. That is that's psychotic behavior. And I I do not wish to be a party to this. It's just so weird, bro. Okay. So we finally agreed to come back and watch some more of the movie. And the narrator tells us that the prince couldn't get this girl out of his head, and so he sent Coven and his valet into the village to find out about this ragamuffin. And they found that she was ill-tempered, unruly, friendless, and a great trial to the good, kind widow Saunder.
2: And also that she's boasted about living in the palace one day. The prince now knows this. I submit
0: that this should be considered her opening line to him. Agreed. So we're back at the house. We see the family and they have Cousin Lulu over. Cousin Lulu is much older. She's very fancy. She's wearing a lot of very heavy makeup and very shiny sparkly jewelry.
2: And they're trying very much to impress her. So everyone's like in their best dresses and they're trying to make everything look normal,
0: including (laughs) Cinderella's presence there. Yep. And the narrator tells us that Cousin Lulu used to be a very pretty maid in the Duke's palace, but through a natural sequence of events and blackmail, she now has jewels and financial security. And Talon and I were really, 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 really hoping that that meant something else. But don't worry. It doesn't. We come back to that, weirdly enough. Mm -hmm. The narrator also tells us that this occasion is fancy enough that Ella has put on her other dress. She's not sitting at the table, but she is
2: sitting in the living room while they're at the table. And she's described as not precisely a servant, but not precisely family. Mm -hmm. The narrator also tells us that the stepmother and the stepdaughters have oiled and coddled Lulu. And then goes on to tell us what they're saying, even though they're in the scene and moving their mouths.
0: Yeah, this is just drunk history.
2: Yes, Cousin Lulu. You're so right, Cousin Lulu. What a beautiful gown, Cousin Lulu. How we wish we too had had an opportunity to be so profitably ruined while we were still young. How we wish you would drop dead and leave us your money.
0: Those are the exact lines. And at this point, the narrator then tells us that something is wrong, and Cousin Lulu squints off screen. At this point, Talon and I stopped the movie again and made a deal with one another. Mm hmm. If anybody puts jewelry in their face, like if anybody tries to eat a piece of jewelry, I get to just stop watching the movie. I just get to leave. I don't have to watch this anymore. And if the prince calls Ella a child to her face, Talon gets to stop watching the movie.
2: We picked our own key check buttons, basically. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Terrible news. We both failed and had to watch the whole movie. Yes, neither of those things happened. Listeners, we've never done this. I declined to watch A Trap for Cinderella because I know that I am very susceptible to scary movies and would genuinely have a terrible time, like, psychologically. So I didn't watch that one. But we've never made deals upon which we could just stop.
2: I've never seriously tried to quit in the middle of a movie before. I've complained about movies. I have threatened to quit. I have said I was quitting, but I didn't mean it. I genuinely... Multiple times during your, the breaks that we had to take during this movie. Yep. I would just be like, I think I want to quit. Like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I. Okay, I think I can, but I don't. I want to quit. Know. Like, I don't want to do
0: this. I don't want to watch this. This was. mm, Yep. So that was the deal that we made with one another. And I put it into my notes so that if it happened, we would know. And that person got to be released from this torture. We have to just keep going. Yep. Okay. The thing that Cousin Lulu is annoyed about is that ella is barefoot and she's like don't you do anything properly here and ella's like oh i forgot them at the lake i'm gonna go back to the lake and so she skips back to the lake so that was a stupid scene that didn't need anything the prince my note says that he's still there but it turns out that he has left and returned Mm -hmm. yeah it's
2: like a full-on different day
0: yeah and he offers her her shoes and then he grabs her hand and she pulls back from him and then sits down very hard on this grassy bank And he puts her shoes on her feet for her. And she is clearly trying to push his hands away. Like, I don't want you to actually put my shoes on my feet for me. But he does. And then she apologizes for pushing him in the water. And he apologizes for hurting her feelings. At which point I was almost prepared to feel neutral towards this prince. Until he sits down. And he sits down next to her way too close. Like, way too close.
2: It's so predatory. I just, I don't know. He's like putting things on her feet when she's clearly uncomfortable and like feeling vulnerable. And she's been running through the forest barefoot. Like her feet are genuinely like dirty when he does it too. Yeah. And then he says, I hear you're going to live in the palace one day. And she says, how'd you know? And the prince says, well, you've been saying it forever.
0: And she says, mostly when they laugh at me. Why isn't it true? <sighs> it is true. It's nice to have something to hope for life can be unbearable if you have nothing to hope for and the prince goes i'm starting to have something to hope for and she goes are you hoping to be a very good cook i think it's very confused he's like what she's like like your father like the cook and he's like right like my father the cook yes and then ella gives us this line which is so tragic i used to think it'd be wonderful to have someone to sit with and talk to and tell what i like but with you I don't have to. I have the feeling that if you wanted to tell me what I think and what I feel and all that, you could. And you know all the worst of me too, eh? Tell me what you think so that when I don't have any thoughts of my own, I can think of yours. And he grabs her hand, which is in her lap. And she pulls her hand back because he's literally just reached into her lap to hold her hand. And he's so close to her, like his head is right at her chest height, just lounging, Alongside of her. This is at this point, we figured out that this is an Odalisque prince. Just he reclines a lot. He does.
1: So, so at this point, I'm like,
2: oh, that's disgusting, but surely that's the worst part of the scene. It's all downhill from here. No, the scene continues to be like even more baffling because Ella gets up and goes, look what I can do. No context, nothing to lead to it. Nope. She just climbs on a rock like a child, and the prince goes, that's very interesting. It's not a very tall rock, you guys. She just... She scrambles up. ...wants her. to show him that she can get up on a rock. hmm And then she kind of falls into his arms accidentally, and they laugh, and they roll around in the grass together. Yep. And the prince gives her an invitation to the ball tomorrow night.
0: And she's like, I can't go. What would I do? Where did you even get this? At which point he goes, oh, I got it from Prince Charles. I made him a pot roast, and he was delighted. And he rewarded me with this. And she goes, well, I can't go, I can't dance. And he goes, every girl should know how to dance. Particularly a girl who's going to live in the palace one day. Okay, so here's the thing about this. I don't like it when he actively lies to her. No. Mm-mm. Like, I don't-
2: I just don't get the impression that they're on the same level. Yeah. Like, it's just too much of a power differential for me. It's too much of an age differential for me. She's clearly like very naive, very straightforward. And he's doing like a lot of subterfuge things and moving things around behind her back and like learning things about her.
0: Yeah, it's it's bad. I I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh -uh. So he decides to teach her how to dance the minuet and she's she's bad at it. She's pretending to be bad at it because this is Leslie Caron and she is a famous ballet dancer. I did
2: find this scene pretty charming. The prince teaches her how to dance by giving her the actual steps and just announcing them out loud and showing her how to do it. And then he holds her hands and they do it together while he hums. And she says the names of the steps, like touch, touch, step, back.
0: Yeah. And he's sort of humming a tune, which I was okay with. But then he decides that he's going to teach her a polonaise. It's the same tune. Those are different dances. They don't go to the same type of mute. You can't... Mm.
2: Anyway, and the polonaise involves her throwing your hand up and hopping, I guess. They almost fall in the water again. And Cinderella is like making a lot of like goo goo eyes at the prince. She seems very into him. And he strokes her face. And then he kisses her. And her eyes are wide open. And I don't know if she knows about kissing. She seems very confused about what's happening. And there's some weird music. And they look at each other. And then she just runs away from the prince.
0: Yep. My notes continue to reiterate that his hair is in fact brown.
2: And then we're just back at the palace again with the prince playing something on the piano. And Coven is lounging around in a robe again. I wrote down all of the lyrics of the song he was singing because
0: they were all baffling. He's actually playing a harpsichord, which is even weirder. Yeah, that's not the sound a piano makes. That's a harpsichord i saw that there were keys and i was like great let's go it's the precursor to a piano so it sounds twangier than a piano
2: i just know that hannibal plays it in the hannibal tv show and it's considered very archaic and bizarre for him to do because he's just very dramatic sure so here are some of the things that he sings about when you see a climbing rose pluck it nope nope
0: No, I mean, like, no, thank you. Oh,
2: okay. okay. I was like, (laughs) oh, did I get that wrong? No, you got it right. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, like to give to someone. No, the rose is a metaphor because when an apple is ripe, it's time to take it now. Lads have died young and gay and pretty maids can fade away. Nothing is forever. Always is a lie. I can only love you till the day I die. So my love. Oh, my love. Dream no more, my love. Awake, my love. And that just keeps going for a while while Coven smokes a very long Gandalf pipe.
0: By the way, this is not the actor singing. (laughs) This is a voiceover of somebody else. Because this dude, Michael Wilding, he can't dance and he can't sing. And he's not the right age! Nope. As far as anyone can tell, he was cast because there was a a big flush of publicity about him because he just married Elizabeth Taylor. (gasps) No! Really? Yes, so he was the trophy husband, and that's why we had to watch him in this.
2: Oh my god. That's not the thing you were going to tell me, right? Nope, no. Wow. So, more discoveries to come. Great.
0: Yes, more to come. But yes. So, the song finally sort of ends, and Coven is looking suspicious, and he goes, You're not well, Charles. You're not yourself. You know what ails you. Careful, Charles. Remember your special weakness. Charles goes, She's frightened and scared and hurt, afraid to hope, afraid to be ridiculed. Again, Coven is like, dude, you know that you are really susceptible to cry, you women. Please be careful. Charles responds with, why be careful? Some men are in love with fat women, women with rolls. I know a man who falls in love with any woman who slaps his face. This is mine. Why go against nature? And then he does a
2: little flourish on the not a piano and plays some jaunty music. It was at this point that we genuinely considered calling those the don't kink shame me Cinderella.
0: Yep. Just why did that happen? Why was that scene there?
2: Just so that we know that both the writer and the actor of the prince know how gross this is and they're fully leaning into it.
0: The writer of the script was a woman, though. Like a woman wrote this script.
2: Women can be weird perverts. Yes, but... <sighs> <laughs>
0: This would make so much more sense if it was written by two gross dudes. Like,
2: no, nope, it was written by a lady. She was very proud of it. I guess
0: this is your fault, Helen. We blame you.
2: Totally and completely unique Cinderella. Okay, okay. So Cinderella is on a cot of some kind in what looks like maybe the kitchen, and she's just laying on her stomach and swinging her foot behind her and smiling. And in her mind, she repeats the phrase, the son of the cook at the palace of the Duke, like four more times after that. Mm -hmm. Then there's a ballet number that's kitchen themed. Yes. And I was so relieved. What a beautiful, glorious respite. Like, yes, thank goodness, please, a ballet number where nobody talks and says anything upsetting at me for like minutes at a time.
0: Multiple minutes, more than five. This is the Paris ballet. We get maids in colorful striped stockings in this sort of imaginary weird kitchen where things are very large and hanging on nothing. One of the ballerinas is pumping a giant well water pump thing. So it's like lifting her up in the air. This is lovely. We then get some chefs.
2: Then we see all these cooks. Yep, And they're all wearing like pastel little britches and tights. Mm-hmm. And the tops are all white, and they're wearing white chef hats, and they all bow to the big main chef in white, and it's the prince, because she's just fantasizing about him being the son of the cook, mm-hmm. and apparently that translates to the same kind of hierarchy as being a prince, but in the kitchen, where all the other cooks bow to you, I guess.
0: Yep. Yep everyone sort of comes to him for inspection and he inspects this giant oversized copper cookware and he snaps his fingers and all the chefs dance around him holding various items of food and then he adds a spice to a pot very dramatically and my note just says everyone bows foodily at him yes Mm -hmm. okay and then everybody looks up and ella is there and she is in a ballerina dress it's very pretty pink. It's not a traditional heavily starched petticoat that sticks straight out. It's just one of the longer, floofier calf length dresses. It
2: looks like a pink ballet style version of her regular outfit. So it's very Mm -hmm. similar to what she's already wearing, Mm -hmm. but like nice and clean. She's not dreaming of being a princess. She's dreaming of being the wife of the son of the cook. Mm -hmm. And it's very much that.
0: This is a Salvador Dali kitchen now. There's just things floating, like measuring spoons as big as a person.
2: Which is weird, because she's been in the kitchen, like, quite a bit.
0: Quite a bit. It's a beautiful ballet number. This is lovely. My note just goes, this is lovely. This can continue. This can never stop. I would be fine with this.
2: But then there's a giant cauldron in the middle of the floor. Yeah. And I know that they're going to put Ella in the pot. At some point, they must put Ella in the pot. Why else would there be a human-sized pot? Why would she keep coming close to it and keep getting picked up and then being set down and like running away to a different direction so that, you know, it's coming, but it keeps not happening. And you keep thinking maybe that was it. Maybe they're not going to put her in the pot. It's just it's very anxiety inducing.
0: Yeah. The prince leads her around in a ballet fashion and is like, oh, here He, he magics the rotisserie chickens into spinning. And he gives her a wooden spoon that he selects very carefully and presents it to her. as like, oh, stir the pot. And she, in ballet speak, does the, oh, no, I couldn't, in ballet dance moves. Then she gets a little chef's cap, too.
2: It's a little bonnet like the kitchen maids have.
0: Yep. And then she gets tossed from chef to chef and she stirs the big pot. And then Minor just says, the blob rises from the cauldron, giant slime balloon. And turns into a wedding cake the size of a four-story house.
2: Yes, they never put her in the pie. Nope. But they do seem like they're about to so often.
0: Listeners, for you, we record a Zoom meeting, so we have a screen and we can look at each other. And at this point, I noted that Talon and I had both tilted our heads like dogs that have heard a weird sound in the exact same direction. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they zoom in on the cake, and at first you're like, oh, that's just like an ugly cake. And then they zoom out and you realize it's a stage and that's why it's so ugly. Mm-hmm. They had to like build a four-story cake for Cinderella to dance on top of. Yep. And now she's wearing like a full white ballerina tutu and she spins on top of the cake and dances and then The prince keeps holding out his hands to her from the ground and she makes it all the way down all of the layers of the cake, which kind of look like a spiral, I guess. I guess. She finally leaps into his arms and they fall like they did on the grass and they laugh and they laugh and then Cinderella's on the bed again by herself, laughing to herself.
0: Yeah. And then it's the next morning. Ella is watering the garden and Mrs. Tukey shows up, just wanders into their garden. Ella shows off her invitation to the ball. And Mrs. Duque steals a broken saucer. Off the ground. Off the ground, yeah. And Ella goes, I have something to hope for now. And Mrs. Juquet goes, oh, what would that be? Ella goes, to be able to see him again. And Mrs. Juquet goes, well, when you see him, give him a recipe for turnip fritters, but without the turnips.
1: Yeah,
2: I just, I don't understand what emotional beat that was supposed to be and why they have to diffuse any moment of real emotion from Cinderella.
0: Oh, God. I don't know.
2: She also continues to just make things up as if she knows them. And she's like, oh, yes, you know, the son of the cook gave it to me and he taught me how to dance. And he's very busy making pink pastry with his father for the ball. She just decided that.
0: Well, that's the thing. That's I think that is another supporting piece of evidence for our this girl is not neurotypical.
2: Yeah, that's a trait that I've come across. I work with kids, so I've come across kids doing that very often.
0: I haven't seen adults do that. so. I don't know. It was unpleasant. It didn't come across well at all. Basically, Ella's like, I don't want to go to the ball. And Mrs. Jouquet is like, oh, but you could see him. And she's like, no, he'll be busy. You could just go and like, go to the kitchens and talk to him.
2: That's called strategy, is what she says. Yes.
0: And then Ella just keeps reiterating that she doesn't want to go.
2: Uh
0: And Mrs. Jouquet is like, oh, you could borrow a dress from one of the sleeping beauties. Meaning her stepsisters who are still asleep, even though it is well into the day. And then she's like, okay, goodbye, Cinderella. Don't be afraid to love him. Off screen. We don't even see her when she says this. Nope.
2: And then we just end that scene. And now we're doing the getting ready for the ball scene with Cinderella rubbing one stepsister and the stepmother rubbing another stepsister and the narrator going rub, 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 20 minutes of rub and rub, oil of roses, butter and cream. Two tender portions of dead white meat carefully prepared for delectations of high society and the very eligible Prince
0: Charles. It was so gross. We stopped the movie again.
2: We stopped the movie again, and then we went back and we wrote it all down. Two tender portions of dead white meat carefully prepared for the delectations of high society and the very eligible Prince Charles. It's disgusting.
0: You didn't have to say that. I think the the and the for and the of... Words don't offend me, but literally every other word in that sentence is a terrible word, and I'm angry about it.
1: So
2: they get ready, they go to the ball to be beautiful girls and dance and listen to music and be admired, the narrator tells us. And Cinderella smiles at them and waves them off, still very smudgy. And then she starts looking sad and sad music plays. And then she makes herself a bread and cheese sandwich, which actually look really good. Yeah, she goes to a cupboard
0: and pulls out a charcuterie board. Yeah! With this big block of beautiful cheese and this really lovely loaf of bread. And she's... Blowing out the candle. So she's sitting by this fire that's glowing and looks really nice and warm. And Helen and I, who are both introverts, are like, Is this supposed to be a sad scene? Because she's alone with carbs and cheese and a fireplace and no one to bother her. She also
2: pinches off a little bit of cheese and bread and gives it to a mouse in a cage near her. Yeah. So she's being a sweetie and we're getting like actual character beats. Yeah. And then Cinderella starts crying and Mrs. 2K shows up.
0: Yep. So Mrs. Tukai just walks in. And goes, you're going to the ball. And then starts to conjugate the Latin verb to love. So amo, amat, amas. Just out of nowhere.
1: Oh,
2: that's
0: what that was. Yeah. Ella finally agrees that she's correct. No, I do actually want to go. You're right.
2: It's because she's alone and she doesn't mind being alone. But when everyone's at the ball and she's alone, she minds being alone. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was like...
0: A useful distinction. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. She goes, yeah, you're right. And Mrs. 2K goes... usually am 99 times out of 10 (laughs) and then she goes what a lot of mice yes i feed them says ella and i let them go and then mrs k goes let's go out to the yard why i left them there what just those are just sentences that happen consecutively
2: sequentially but not meaningfully
0: Mm -hmm. so they go out into the yard and there is this massive massive white and pink floofy dress
2: and it's definitely the one that they were describing earlier with like It's like, white with pink rosebuds on it. It's definitely that dress.
0: It's Cousin Lily's dress, obviously. And then we get Mrs. Duque helping Ella to get dressed. So lacing her into a corset.
2: Which she says is a fine thing, invented by the devil, but a fine thing.
0: And then she reaches into her bag, her brown rucksack, and pulls out a glass shoe. She says, Venetian glass. And Ella puts it on and is like, it does feel strange mrs Duquet goes women must endure these things why says ella they fascinate men says mrs Duquet. they marvel at women because they know they couldn't stand them
2: why everyone's really into like women who are experiencing pain and discomfort like that does seem to be like the main theme of this movie
0: that does appear to be the theme i would like my women to be in pain that's
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which like if that's the thing you're into like that's fine I just wish I'd known that that's what this was, because then I could have just been like, oh, actually, no, thank you. Goodbye.
0: Yeah, agreed. So didn't like this. So Ella recognizes the dress with the rosebuds and crystals. And Mrs. Jouké gives Ella a crown. And Ella, for the first time, is like, wait, what if my family sees me? And Mrs. Jouké is like, oh, they won't. You'll be in the kitchen. And then she's like, okay, got to do the hair and the rouge and the perfume. Mr. K is like, okay, the hair presents something of a problem. (laughs) And this dress is massive. Like, it's huge.
2: It's very wide. (laughs) Like, she looks beautiful in it. But it is roughly the width of three dresses.
0: Mm -hmm. So everybody's wearing hoop skirts. Everybody's wearing big dresses. You know, 1860s dresses. But she is wearing just a comedically oversized dress. It's unbelievably huge. At this point, I called my husband on the phone from my bedroom. He was downstairs to have him just bring me up the rest of the bottle of wine and an entire bag of cookies.
2: Which Liv proceeded to drink directly from the bottle, by the way.
0: This was a really hard movie, guys. I I really struggled. When this movie ended, I shut the computer, took off my glasses, and fell asleep without doing anything else. So computer on my lap, desk around me just lights still on and my husband eventually came in and removed all of the things that aren't supposed to be on the bed at which point I woke up and proceeded to talk to him about this movie and how much I hated it and he goes hey babe I'm really tired I have to go to sleep and I said that's okay I'm gonna keep talking and I kept talking and I checked the phone when I finally went to bed and it was like one forty-five in the morning and I asked him about it the next day and he goes yeah no I came up at midnight and I told you that I was going to sleep a little before one which meant that I talked to my unconscious husband about how much I hated this movie for an hour.
2: During the watching process of this, where we had many pauses, I also interacted with my husband about this movie. (laughs) I came up to him. I was like, um, I know I've said this before and it probably doesn't mean anything to you, but I think this might be the worst Cinderella I've ever seen. And he looked into my eyes and he was like, you know what, Talon? I think I can tell. You look different. This feels
1: different.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was shaken. Yep. Yeah. Cinderella gets through the door sideways and into the coach. Mrs. TK says that she made a little arrangement with the coachman and basically Cinderella has to leave at midnight because the coachmen are there to pick somebody else up and they're gonna be leaving at one. So they have to like drop Cinderella and be back by one. Yeah.
1: Which I thought was very
0: clever. That's very clever. I like it. That's a great reason for her to have to leave at midnight. So she drives to the palace in her stupid carriage and she gets there and she shows her invitation and she smiles stupidly and floofs her way out of the carriage and around and gets lost. Like she just keeps heading in the wrong direction.
2: She keeps being escorted by guys in uniforms who like bow in the direction she's meant to walk, but she just gets confused and turns around. And so another guy bows and gestures at the stairs. And, like, she's just having a hard time orienting herself.
0: This is going to be a tiny note, given how many other things are wrong with this movie. But her hems aren't even. Okay. Like, when you have a skirt that has a hoop, the hems need to be the same distance from the floor as each other. So part of her dress is, like, two inches from the floor, and part of her dress is, like, five inches from the floor. I realize it's a really big dress, but it does still need to be even all the way around.
2: If anything, there's more room for people to notice.
0: Yeah, right? Anyways, that irritated me.
2: So she passes some jugglers and she gets scared of them. Mm -hmm. And she kind of slowly descends the stairs into the ballroom and all the fancy people in the white wigs notice and turn to look. And men just start to approach her. Like they crowd around her like fish getting fed at the top of an aquarium. Yes. And it's like a feeding frenzy. Mm -hmm. They kind of coalesce onto her. And she leaves the giant pile of men on the arm of one of them. And they do the polonaise with the arm up. And she's really focused on counting the steps. And you can see her kind of move her lips a little bit, which I thought was cute. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like talking to her. Like, I've been watching you all evening. I find you the most charming lady here. Would you care to have some refreshments? At which point she notices that there's like a cook at a table and attempts to follow. Mm -hmm. But is swept away by another dude who pulls her into some sort of skippy dance. It's a gallop. My note says, I hate this, but it's still better than the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, so I don't like the bits of the ball that happened to her, but the ball that's happening in the background behind her has lovely, consistent costumery and people dancing very well together to lovely music. So I really hate everything that's happening like frontally, but everything that's happening in the background looks really fun.
2: Yeah. so. As this is all happening to Cinderella, Coven does the one useful thing he does in this entire film. And what he does is he sees her and he recognizes her. And he's like, oh, I should, I should go tell the prince. Uh, I'm very surprised to see her. I've made a surprised face. I'm going to excuse myself from this conversation and go. And I was like, oh, okay. Someone's behaving reasonably.
0: Yes. Ah, a reasonable. We then cut to the room where the prince is. And the prince is being introduced to Lulu Ultras. You know, I spelled this pretty drunk.
1: Alsterstrau. Yeah. We tried Googling it to
2: see if it meant anything, but nothing popped up. Yep. I, it sounded like maybe it was a German pun, but I guess it's not. it's
0: not. So she introduces herself with, oh, Prince Charles, I'm your father's old friend. And Prince Charles goes, oh, yes, Lulu, I definitely remember you. And then he continues with, I was eight years old. You sent me away to school. And Lulu goes, well, we're all good friends now. I think this is Hamlet. I think this is Hamlet. I think that Lulu killed the queen. Hmm. And sent the child off to school away so that she could solidify her position.
2: I think it's the parent trap. And the prince has a twin.
0: Oh, okay. My note here literally says, I think we're watching a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Cinderella.
2: I have his stepmother question mark. He is also a Cinderella question mark.
0: My note here says, Talon and I took our seventh break to talk about literally anything else. Yeah.
2: So then Cousin Lulu is about to introduce the prince to the stepmother and stepsisters right when Coven interrupts. And it's cut a little short. So they're like, oh, we're looking forward to hearing about your travels. Oh, Paris, so French. Don't go away, please. Mm hmm. But Coven points out Cinderella, who's at this point dancing with the king, and is like, look, there, dancing with your father. So the prince goes to find her.
0: Yeah, I hated this scene, too. <laughs> so she's, she's dancing with the duke. Oh, yes, he's not the king, he's the duke. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. And she's looking around anxiously, because she's really trying to get to the kitchen to meet Charles. The duke is saying, we haven't met before. You don't live in this region. I think you and I should meet. I'm your host. But he says it with like...
2: Like, the word meet is stressed weird. He sounds like he's doing like a double entendre that I don't understand.
0: It sounds like he's hitting on her. Mm-hmm. And given what we know about now him and Lulu, I hate it. Yeah. So she runs away. She just pulls away from him and leaves and asks somebody where the kitchen is. Like
2: one of the cooks.
0: Yeah, and she's about to head off in that direction, but Charles shows up and grabs her hand and pulls her away. She doesn't see that it's Charles. Like, she's not looking at his face. She's still trying to get to the kitchens. But he pulls her away and starts dancing with her and goes, I've met you before. We've met. You're charming. Whatever. And then he goes, hello, Cinderella. At which point she stops dead. And then he's like, ah, do you have this line?
2: He says, I'm just very glad that you could come. Let me explain. And then it zooms out and they're no longer dancing and they're just standing and he's talking, but we're too far away to hear what he's saying. And everybody else is still dancing and he's still explaining. And then they kind of leave together and Cinderella has to scoot sideways through the hallway. And
0: Lulu is suspicious.
2: Yeah, because then Lulu kind of notices mm-hmm. and goes, that dress, something about that dress. And somebody else is like, she doesn't speak the language. She hasn't said a single word to me yet.
0: And then they're like, oh, I think that she's someone that he knew in Paris. They say he carried on with an Egyptian princess in Paris. Egyptian, yes. That explains the hair, which is very short. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Leslie Caron. She is extremely Caucasian.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. This Egyptian princess thread is going to continue from here on out. And it will continue to be weird and gross.
0: Yeah, yep. So we see her and Charles on the balcony, like on the garden terrace patio whatever and he's like what's wrong and she explains that she's avoiding her family and he is really confused by their stupid names she's like no it's berdina and serafina he's like i'm sorry what then she runs through the ballroom
2: so she's like in the library at this point the prince has lost her he's like searching for her and then i have a lot of notes of people talking
0: okay so Interspersed with scenes of her running to the carriage, we get scenes of people talking about her. The duke is saying, She never spoke. Clever girl. Knows when to hold her tongue. Rumor is she's Egyptian. The duke is unpleasantly interested in her and a hated...
2: It. Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cinderella gets like confused and runs outside and runs through a maze. Mm-hmm. The prince runs out and slides out of the palace as the bells start chiming and he just kind of goes bong.
0: She drops a shoe and he sees it and she gets in the carriage and he picks up the shoe and grins maniacally at the shoe. He does not follow her. And the carriage races down the road, being drawn by a very pretty pair of drapple gray horses, by the way. And then the carriage crashes and we see her lying unconscious with a pumpkin and some mice next to her in a pile of hay. No context.
2: Yeah. So the next shot is just Cinderella lying in bed with Mrs. 2K stroking her arm. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she says is, No, you didn't dream it. The coachman and I brought you home. And Ella's like, But the dress. And she's like, Good as new and back.
0: Back where it came from.
2: Yeah. Then we're just not going to address what happened, I guess. Nope. Or talk about the fact that there was a pumpkin and a mouse, and that Mrs. Duque may or may not be magic.
0: Yep. And Ella says, I have a secret to tell you. The son of the cook is actually the son of the Duke. He's the Prince Charles. And Mrs. Duque goes, Can he cook? And Ella goes, I don't know. And Mr. Duquet goes, it's too bad. They say men make the best cooks better than women. Now go to sleep. Tomorrow will be interesting. And as she leaves, Madame Duquet steals the candlestick and a bowl.
2: Then she goes, good night, Cinderella. Continuing to call her Cinderella, despite the fact that Ella has been very clear about the fact that she doesn't like it. Yep. Then <sighs> the king is like, well, that's over. Cost me a pretty penny. And that Egyptian one, who was she? They're saying you met her in Paris, Charles. And then the prince lies and is like, ah, yes, she's of very noble blood. She is the daughter of a fez or a mosque or a scarab. Oh, a pasha, a pasha of Giza on the Nile. He's assisted at the end by Koven, who says the last thing that he should say. He's just thinking of words that he, for whatever reason, associates with Egypt. Yep. And I just made, like, in my notes, a frowny face with angry eyebrows.
0: <laughs> we we both just started saying, ew, out loud. The Duke responds to this somehow even worse and goes, Oh, geezer, because he has misheard Giza as geezer and says, Oh, geezer, I know him well. I didn't know he had daughter. He has three. This is the Lady Tahara, a lady of great virtue. Her mother is one of 14 children, all male. How? And then he continues with, Good stock, good teeth, fine hocks, and splendid withers. And my notes just go into all caps ew. Ew, 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 ew. Ew.
2: Will you explain that line? Because I needed love to explain that to me.
0: So, stock, teeth, hocks, and withers are the things that you evaluate horses. Yeah. Also, bloodlines. So, good stock is just good breeding material. You inspect a horse's teeth for soundness and health. Hocks are ankles, and withers are like the flank butt thigh region. That's gross. It's really gross. We then stopped the movie and had a discussion about what animals you should and should not compare women to.
1: (laughs) And I think we agreed
0: that beasts of burden were the worst. Also no pets. Pets, not good. But like beasts of burden are real bad. Prey animals aren't great either. If you absolutely have to compare a woman to an animal, go with like a lioness. Mm Mm-hmm. Or like a hyena. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Something that could rip your throat out if it felt like it. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) I was so angry at this point.
2: Yeah, it was bad. So the king goes on like a tangent about the importance of bloodlines and how he didn't know how to behave at his first ball and that he fortunately married the daughter of a duke. So it seems like he's the duke because he married into the family. Yeah. It was even more baffling that the son is the prince.
0: I don't know. (sighs) Okay. Anyway, so he's like, hang on, wait, wait, I just figured it out. Yeah. He's not a prince. His first name is Prince and his middle name is Charles. And he goes by Prince Charles. No. Oh,
2: I refuse. You're no fun. I refuse. (laughs) (laughs) You're no fun. The dude goes on a little bit about like bloodlines and how title goes all the way back to Charlemagne. (laughs) We should watch a knight's tale
0: instead. We should absolutely watch now. Na- a Knight's Tale is arguably a Cinderella. We'll, co- we'll put a pin in that. Okay. So the prince says, for the sake of discussion, what if I married a commoner? And the king goes, no, absolutely not. The prince says, who are you to tell me what to marry? For the sake of discussion, let's say I fell in love with a commoner, at which point he gets interrupted by the duke, who says, Egyptian princess, my ass. She's a commoner, and they'll love her the more for it. Forced jovial laughter. So
2: I guess they know that she's not an Egyptian princess.
0: Maybe the duke left at that point and that was Coven and the prince talking? No. Nope. No. No, that was, that was the duke. All right. So they drink to the princess Tahara and to wedding bells just as the butler comes in.
2: And then the narrator told us that the butler told the housemaid who told her mistress. And the rumors flying through the principality that the prince is marrying the Egyptian princess Tahira. Mm-hmm.
0: We cut to our house, and the stepfamily is talking about it, and Ella is serving them and is very sad. And Ella asks if the princess is beautiful and kind and good. And they say, what's it to you? She says, well, it'll be better for the prince. And the family goes, Egypt is a wilderness. And the people run around naked. Well, the rich ones wear clothes, and they laugh. And Ella runs away to her room and pulls out a blue straight piece of fabric And gets her other dress to put in the fabric. So I guess she's running away.
1: Yeah, she like
2: pulls her trunk out and starts gathering stuff into a bundle. But I can't understand how if running away was an option. Like, why hadn't she done it before? No idea. So she just hears over and over in her head, he's going to be married to a princess. He's going to be married. He's going to be married. He's going to be married to a princess. I wish I were dead. He's going to be married. I wish I were dead. Just over and over again. Yep. And then she imagines what it would look like Mm -hmm. if the prince and what she imagines to be an Egyptian princess in an Egyptian princess outfit were to be married. And they have this very dramatic procession in which only the prince and the princess are like walking down this aisle in this giant empty room.
0: Mm -hmm. That's all dark and gray with big gray columns and like
2: and they're approaching like a raised platform and it's ella in a white dress splayed dramatically on her back dead on a white chunk of marble just that's what she's imagining Mm -hmm. so the prince kisses her and as he pulls back from the kiss she starts sitting up at the same pace as he's pulling back, so the distance between them doesn't change. Mm-hmm. But they're both moving until Cinderella's seated. And then she does, like, a belly number with him, where she's wearing this really billowy, clingy, see-through white thing that, like, really clings to her clearly naked body.
0: It's a nightgown. It is. It's not as... Aggressively see through as Talon's making it sound, but it is definitely meant to be. Mm. It's supposed to be sensual. It's sens- sensual, thank you. And so he leads her through the night, and then she's suddenly wearing a different ballet outfit, and they dance some more, and then we get bright pink lights and dramatic music, and the Egyptian princess is there looking at him, and the guards are behind them, and there's gates, and they try to run, but they can't. And the guards are blue, by the way, wearing Greek helmets.
2: Yep. You know, those famous blue Egyptian guards.
0: Yeah. They're trying to run away together, Ella and the prince, but they keep getting caught. And then they do a smush face, gross kiss, like he's eating her head. And then the guards pull them away from one another, and they reach for one another, hands outstretched, and three Dumbledores run around. Nine minutes left, we can do this, we're professionals, say my notes. (laughs) And then they stagger towards each other, but he leaves her and walks with the princess and ignores her.
2: Okay. So three guys in robes, they just look like wizards. That's three wizards show up. Mm -hmm. They all have like long white hair and long white beards. They're wearing scholar caps, like graduation caps, Mm -hmm. but they look like wizards. And this is still a ballet. So they're just gesticulating at the prince and they're kind of shaming him. And then he transforms back into his wedding outfit and they all pose around him dramatically. And then... The prince and Cinderella start walking towards each other slowly. And right when they're about to meet, he just makes a right turn and continues walking towards the Egyptian princess instead. Mm -hmm. And Cinderella keeps running around him and like trying to get his attention. And he's walking completely straight, not paying attention to her at all. And he walks away arm in arm with the Egyptian princess. And Cinderella clutches her head dramatically, throws her arms up towards him and runs at the closing doors and she pounds on them. And then she throws herself down on the ground and she smushes her way down the stairs a little bit while still laying dramatically on the ground. And then she rolls down the stairs (laughs) and then she just fades out while crying and like holding a glass shoe. And the imagination scene ends. And Cinderella... Closes her bedroom door, climbs out of a window, onto the roof with her parcel, and then jumps down and leaves and goes to
0: her brook. I need to read you my notes. Oh, please. My notes say, Ella beats on the doors and does sad ballet and collapses. Sad ballet. Rolls sadly downstairs. Extra sad ballet tit wiggle. Future Olivia, I am so sorry. Collapses on stairs. Death wriggle. Back to her now. One single tear on face. Stupid hair. <laughs>
2: we're almost done we got this
0: (laughs) we got this so ella runs to the brook pond thing mrs 2k is there and is like oh did you bring lunch and ella goes i can't stay i just came to say goodbye and mrs 2k goes hmm goodbye no thanks i don't care for it i like windowsill better elbow apple dumpling pickle relish and ella's like no i'm running away mrs 2k goes to where i don't know why not to the palace? Well, I can't stand it because he's going to be married to an Egyptian princess. Princes always marry princesses. I wish I were dead. Let me give you some homely wisdom. Life is like your pipe. You never know where you put it. Does that help? No. The clouds pass. The blue remains constant.
2: And at this point, Cinderella's like, oh, okay, I guess that's kind of helping. Possibly just to get Mrs. tk to stop. Mm-hmm. Then Mrs. tk continues with, Life is mysterious, and search for causes occasionally brings around strange results, just as potatoes occasionally resemble eminent statesmen.
0: And then says, glad you feel better, goodbye. Leaving Ella sobbing
2: on the ground.
0: I gotta break in for one more quick second. I want you to take a guess as to how incredibly angry drunk Olivia last night spelled the word statesman.
2: Are you asking me or the audience?
0: Dear your audience. I love to read, I love to write. This is how I decided to spell the word statesman in my drunken fury last night. A-T-E-L-S-E-N-S-T-E-A-F-D-S-F. Yep. I had to go back sober and be like, what in God's name was I trying to say? Because also I wrote the words potatoes occasionally resemble an eminent before that. And those words are spelled only marginally better.
2: (laughs) I guess I feel like this is very pointed. And it's asking us to stop trying to analyze this movie or we're going to end up with something weird and coincidental. It's literally a direction to stop looking for meaning.
0: I guess. So Ella wakes up now from her crying with the prince standing over her.
2: In a full fancy white outfit.
0: Mm -hmm. And he goes, can you help us? We can't find Princess Tahara. We have one clue. She lost her slipper at the ball and it would fit only her. And Ella's like, no, that's my slipper. And he's like, I know, I knew it was you. And she goes, you're making fun of me. My note goes, if she pushes him into the pond again, I'm on board. Nope. Okay, I'm done.
2: They hug instead.
0: And he leads her to Coven, who puts a robe on her.
2: It's like one of those, literally what you think of as a royal robe. It's like ermine. Yeah. That white fur with black flecks on it. Uh Uh-huh. And also, everybody else is there.
0: Yeah, like the whole village has shown up to her pond. Coven kisses her hand, and then everyone is there, and they cheer for her. So the narrator goes, and so the prophecy came true. Less than a minute left, oh my god. Ella went to live in the Happy Palace, and as for the fairy godmother, she went back to where she came from. As Mrs. Touquet fades from existence.
2: She just, like, slowly, gradually disappears. Mm -hmm. Like, dissolves off screen.
0: And everyone lived happily ever after as they ride back to the palace, and it is over. Sweet Jesus, it's over.
2: And then that's the end, then there's fancy credits. Yep. We did it, you guys. We watched it. We told you all of the things that happened. <sighs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they went they they did so much to make Mrs. Touquet just a crazy lady from the end of the street. They this is exactly what Ever After did, where Da Vinci makes her a fancy dress and he helps her get to the ball and he gets her out of the root cellar, whatever. But she, there's no reason for her to actually be a fairy. Why is she a fairy? They
2: literally explained everything. There wasn't anything that was like, oh, that's
0: weird. How did you get that? We know she steals stuff. We know she only shows up at night. She could have a coachman buddy who has okay, to I'm give sorry. somebody. I'm
2: sorry. If she didn't steal that dress, why did she conjure that exact same dress? I have no idea conflict
0: no idea why wouldn't she pick a different dress that Lulu wouldn't recognize it doesn't make any sense I'm so mad that this is a fairy I'm so mad that there is magic in this
2: yeah I just I would have accepted if she was only very slightly magical and could only do like very minor hedgewitch stuff sure and they could be like oh she was a little magical all along But like, she can't disappear because then we're like, oh, she can do big things. It's just so stupid. We have to, we have to be
1: focused.
0: Okay. Okay. So movie's over. Yeah. We're never doing this again. Never. What was the least painful thing about this movie? And then you're low.
1: Okay. So the
2: least painful thing about this movie. Let me think about it for a second. This is a tough one. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I liked it when Cinderella opened the cabinet and there was some cheese and bread there and she made herself a sandwich and she gave some to a mouse. Mm -hmm. It was just a quiet moment and she didn't have to say anything and she just looked sadly into the fire and it was like, I understand. She's experiencing sadness. We're having a quiet moment. Great. That could have been in any movie. That was Mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. So that was, I have positive emotions when I think about that. Okay. Okay. So the bad part for me was all of the rest of it, but
0: all of the rest of it. Yeah.
2: Let me try to be more specific. Yeah. It was Cinderella's mannerisms. I just, I think they were trying to go for childlike and also there was a little bit of a language barrier with the French. And I think that's why she didn't always speak in full sentences, Mm -hmm. but the combination together had a very childlike effect for me. And it just made me uncomfortable. I didn't like that. And I think that was the most upsetting part of it for me. How about you? What are your least bad and bad?
0: Least bad is the first ballet sequence that we get. Uh-huh. But not the whole thing. Literally just the part where the prince isn't there and it's just the maids dancing. That was cute. Or the part where Leslie Caron shows up and dances with the rest of the household staff, which is, you know, actual professional ballet dancers. She's a lovely ballet dancer, like Yeah, she absolutely is. Yeah, so I liked that part. That part was great. There wasn't any talking. The narrator didn't talk. No one talked. No one said anything. It was just in this beautiful, surreal kitchen doing ballet in a lovely fashion. And I did not experience pain. Mm My low is also the rest of the movie, but specifically the fact that he has been in love with her since she was five and that it is specifically... Her very deep pain and trauma, which is what makes him attracted to her. Yeah. I really hated that. hmm Like a lot.
2: Yeah. A whole bunch. That was bad.
0: Yeah. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So what would you change about this movie?
2: I would make Cinderella like under 10 mm-hmm. and she gets to live at the palace because she's being adopted by the king and queen or the prince and his schoolboy love coven okay somebody adopts cinderella she gets to live at the palace and she's not going to be an urchin anymore okay oh it should be like one of those stories where she's the long lost granddaughter of the king and queen or something like that yeah and that like they have been trying to find her but ever since her mother died they haven't been able to track her down and so she's been living as a servant but she's a little princess all along i like it no prince Prince and Coven don't exist. That's a different kingdom.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How about you? What uh, what would you like to change? What one thing would you like to change?
0: I would like to change the format of this movie into Hansel and Gretel, mm-hmm. so that we didn't have to watch it for our Cinderella podcast. <laughs> like she's also mistreated, and she has a brother, and then she has to run away. In a snit, and she goes to the place in the woods, and Mrs. 2K is the evil witch, and they burn her alive. Okay. Just anything that makes it so that I didn't have to watch this with my own eyeballs.
2: Okay. Yeah, I support that.
0: No one should watch this.
2: Yeah, don't watch this. Yeah. I like genuinely don't watch this.
0: Yeah, this isn't like a good bad movie. Like, TamCam has got some weird stuff to it, and you're like, whoa, that's a weird kind of awesome. Good bad movie. This is genuinely just painful and horrible to watch. Don't watch it.
2: It is both on its surface, like just not very interesting and not very well done, but also all of the bad choices that they make are not only like not good or interesting or funny, Mm -hmm. they also all have like these weird implications that just leave you with a quiet sense of discomfort for the rest of your life, possibly.
0: Yeah, no. So obviously, we'll never be watching this again.
2: No, never again. In fact, never. I fully intend to just purge this from my memory, and mm-hmm. it is my deepest, dearest hope that by the time we circle around to recording our season wrap up, I'll have no memory of it. I will be confused, and you'll have to explain it again to me.
0: We can only hope I also pray or I pray for forgetfulness. Yeah, so we had to have a discussion about grades for this movie, guys, so. <laughs> We've, we've made some jokes before about like F pluses and F minuses. We had to make a whole new grade for this.
2: Basically, I just, I looked at all the things we had given Fs to previously. And I was like, okay, some of these, I would say, yes, this belongs in the same category as the glass slipper. But some of them, like rags, we gave rags an F. I would watch rags, like an all day marathon of rags.
0: Yeah, rather than this. And Rags was terrible. Rags was awful. I would absolutely rather watch it than this.
2: So I was like, it can't be the same grade as Rags. Because now that I've watched The Glass Slipper, Rags is like a C minus.
0: Yeah, so so we've created an extra lower letter grade, which is basically a double F. Which is where you don't get any credit for this, and you get immediately sent to the principal's office.
2: Yeah, like if this was a school, it's a see-me-after class.
0: Yes, And we're calling your parents, and we're calling the counselor, and we might possibly be calling the police as well. Like,
2: This is grounds for expulsion. Yes. What you have turned in for this assignment is so disturbing and inappropriate that it is no longer a matter of grades. It's a bigger discussion than that.
0: Yes. So we are both unanimously giving this a double F.
2: This is a double F, you guys. Please enjoy. We present to you our first double F.
0: Although we will have to go back and fix the other grades so that they match because there were two others that were genuinely in the same category of badness as this Yes. for different reasons. But yeah, this is, the, wow, this is so bad. Let's be done. Let's not talk about this anymore.
2: Yeah, we're just done. You guys, I like, look, we love this podcast. We love what we do. We're so excited to just watch the most bananas adaptations of Cinderella and then tell you about them. But we're not talking about this anymore. Like, I, I can't. Like, we still nope. have to do the after party. And I don't.
0: I'm excited for the after party because I have some amazing trivia to give Talon and I also have a bunch of swear words to say. So I'm looking forward to the after party.
2: Okay. I'm looking forward to like never thinking about this again. We're so close. It's almost midnight. Thank you for joining us. If you like Prince Charles enjoy suffering and have just really enjoyed this episode for some reason. Uh, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Unless you love this movie, do not email us if you're mad at us that we didn't like this movie.
2: Okay, don't email us if you're mad at us because we did warn you. But if you would like to have like a discussion and tell us some of the things that you actually do enjoy about it, I would be very open to that because I okay. did not enjoy any of this. And if someone can help me get some perspective or like reframe it or just find something to enjoy about it, I would be very grateful for that.
0: Yes, agreed.
2: It would be a healing experience. Mm-hmm. If you want bibbidi babbity bonus episodes or to hear this week's Cinderella, but with a lot more adult questions language and beverages join us on the mm-hmm. ever after party at patreon.com cinderpod our intro music is bad ideas by kevin mcleod and you can find him at incompetech.com Philip, what are we watching next week
0: next week we're going to be watching cinderella goes to a party from 1942 it's seven minutes long
2: i love that about it it's animated oh no
0: yeah okay so no idea how this is going to turn out but we haven't had an animated one from the thirties and forties for a while. So I feel like at least it won't be this.
2: Yeah. It's not going to be the glass slipper. Yeah. We already watched the glass slipper. Every single new Cinderella will be not the glass slipper. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, until then, we hope you have a happily ever after.